So anyway, yesterday, this lady came in there and she's palpating my vein there. And just the way she's palpating, I'm like, oh shoot. So she sticks the needle in and she's like, oh dang. And she starts fishing around in there for the vein. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh. is this worth $20? <laughs> she's fishing? Yeah, she's fishing. Have you fishing. ever stopped her? Have you ever been like, whoa, 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 do you not know what you're doing? <laughs> so anyway, she gets it eventually. Comes in and a lot of times what happens is if you don't get it quite right, uh, or you blow it, something like that, it'll work for one cycle and then it stops. And I was like, it's gonna stop. It stopped. So she was like, oh, dang it. So she goes and puts out, she pops in this one. This one she hit right on. Thank heavens. But usually you try and save your veins and go from one to the other so one vein doesn't get used twice a week. And I, yeah. Do both just, veins in one Yeah, and, and yeah, and this one right here, I don't think I'll be able to use for a week or two. I'm going to have to be stuck with this one. So, you only you only get $20 for this? They have it set up. They want you to, to uh, go two times a week. They want you to give plasma twice a week. So the first time you give is $20, <clears> and the second time is $70 in a week So because they really want that, that twice a week kind mm -hmm. of thing. So Incentive yeah. for you to come back. Yeah, exactly. So No, the second plasma is the best. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the premium plasma comes out. You, you should have just asked for someone else. Like if she, when she botched that one up and she st started to go do it, say, can I get someone else to do this? Well, no, it's just, you know, I, <laughs> I now, When know. someone's playing around with your veins, it's just... <laughs> with a needle. Yeah, with a needle. Like, going around finding it. <laughs> <laughs> that dang thing won't... <laughs> like, yeah, the, the needles are big. They're, 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 you know... Just like oh, when yeah. you take out blood, they're they're big right. they're big needles. If they allow diabetics to do it, I would do it, but they don't. Yeah, it's, we're infectious. Uh, yeah, you're infectious. No. Yeah, if if you have diabetes and you take oh, their yeah. blood, oh. if you give it to someone else, they get diabetes. get diabetes. Really? Yeah. No. What? Oh, well, no. Oh, really? I, I, no, I, was, uh, I was following along. I'm no, sorry, guys. I'm not from you. <laughs> no, that's just that was when when okay. you did that blood brother thing, Nathan. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Mom. I joined a cult, the only podcast about cults by an actual cult. Listen as we examine other cults, discuss what they did right and what they did wrong, and then build our own cult from the ground up. And now your hosts, Gunner, Dawn, Thor, and Nathan. Today we have a, well, I won't say a special treat, but we have a, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Jonestown, right. which is one of the more famous cults. Notorious, anyway. Notorious is yes, a good one. And, and Don's going to uh, introduce this for us. So, yeah. tell us about so, the founder. the The founder of Jonestown, and and jo Jonestown isn't actually the name of their church. Uh, their their church, I believe, was called the People's Temple, but their founder is Jim Jones. Well, hence okay, why Jonestown. they called it Jonestown. Okay. Jim Jones was born in 1931 in Crete, Indiana. Uh, he grew up in a you know in a pretty poor situation. He was a he was in a shack with no plumbing and I don't know if they had electricity. And also, his parents weren't very active in his upbringing, so he he spent a lot of time kind of on his own. But he was that weird kid in the playground that isn't playing with anyone. No, just a second, guys. Uh, completely off the topic, 
Gunner, you remember when mom and dad left for long periods of time? Wasn't that awesome? They just left, you know, to do whatever and gave us a couple hours without parents. It was awesome We were because like, they never let us watch TV. So as soon as they left, we went out to the garage and turned on the TV and watched TV until they came back home. So we didn't have a garage when I was a kid. So this was before uh, this me. This is before. This is. And you but, snuck some applesauce. Yes. <laughs> but we, we do the same thing uh-huh. when I was a kid. Like when mom and dad left, we would turn on the TV and then turn it off as soon as they started. We saw the yeah, as soon as up. the car started driving, I was like, oh, turn off the TV. <laughs> yeah, they, they, for a while, we could only watch one show a week. As I say, it was awesome when the parents left. We were like, yes. I don't think his his childhood was quite like that. <laughs> Wasn't his dad alcoholic? It, I think I remember I reading think, about I that. I think somewhere. he might have been. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and alcoholic he, member of the Ku Klux Klan. What, was he abusive too? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess I, that would have. Some I think that on it. everyone that's uh, ha- that starts a cult, their father was abusive and an alcoholic. I know mine was. I know Nathan was. <laughs> Don, yes, mm. no, no. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Okay. Yeah, he had he had some interesting hobbies. Like he would find dead animals in the woods or on the side of the road, and he would create. A funeral procession and read them their last rites. I think that just says that he cares a lot. Yeah, I, oh, no. I don't have a problem with he, finding dead animals. He wanted to be a mortician. That's what. Yeah. That's what it was. So. Maybe we're fascinated with death or yeah. something. Yeah, he and when and when he couldn't find an animal to to bury, he he found a cat and he stabbed it to death and and performed a funeral burial on on that. So if my kid was doing that, I'd be a little bit scared. I, I'd, I'd be like, oh, shoot. Yeah, he crossed the line there. Killing an animal is hard for me to do. Uh-huh. I can't do it anymore. I, I it, Last time I tried to do it, tried to chop off the heads of chickens, and I could not do it because I was like, we're not going to eat these chickens, and my mom just wants me to murder them. I don't think I can of- do that. What kind of cult leader are you? What kind of a sick person? <laughs> well, you're no, you're a yeah. member of the nice cult, so yeah, nice cult. Oh. We don't we don't kill chickens unless we're going to unless eat them. we're going to eat them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. While while Jim was growing up, when he wasn't burying animals, uh, he was studying Stalin, Marx, Mao, Gandhi, and especially Hitler. That's another line. I think when your when your kid idolizes Hitler, you you should. That's a warning sign. This is after World War II? Sometime late, mid-1940s. Mid so that's, that's about a, the time. That's big no-no. As bad as we know he is now, yeah. he was more even even more demonized back then. Yeah. It's, back then. It's, still, it's still hard to make jokes about Hitler. I mean, it's still a bad idea. I remember reading a little bit about like this time of Jim Jones' life. And he, he although he didn't play well with other kids, he organized organized a, mm-hmm. a soccer game or organized things. Oh, yeah. And he was like really good at, I mean, he idolized these people who controlled, who were controlling. And he also had that kind of tendency. Maybe all of his, his funerals kind of <laughs> help build that capability. That, that is all right. Now when you skill. kick the ball, kick it at his head or neck. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all have the seats right here for the funeral. But yeah, he he definitely had a a way of like talking to people. And he probably did get it from from studying all these people, these these leaders. His abusive dad's other leanings, his racist impacted his his choice for 
socialist and communist leaders as well. His dad, we think, was a member of the Ku Klux Klan, and Jim hated that. In addition, like when when Jim saw a World War II vet come to town, when the vet was saluting him with the with the the, t- the typical military salute. Jim would thrust out his hand in a in a Nazi salute and say "Heil Hitler." Yeah, I think that's another warning sign right there, especially right after World War II. Yeah, you yeah. just can't you can't do that. Isn't that the way that we did, used to salute though? Wasn't that no? Uh, no, there was that a was, time like was, with the Pledge of Allegiance. No, that's a hand was, on the heart. No, no, no. <laughs> the beginnings of the Pledge of Allegiance actually was a salute with your hand raised in the air, just like Hitler. Were you born okay. in, in Germany? <laughs> I don't know. Like, Gunner says that with enough look, confidence. That uh, yeah, Gunner says that with enough confidence that I'm going to be forced to believe him. And because, probably because his dad was, was Ku Klux Klan, he became like opposite. He was... A champion of, of human rights. So what was his job? He didn't become a mortician or anything, right? No, actually, he, he started working at a hospital. He worked as an orderly. So Nathan and I have something in common with him. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. But he was he was written up for, you know, rough handling of one of the patients and dry shaving him. Yeah, I think that's that probably woke up some of that in him. That is where he, he met his wife. Okay. Uh, Oh, in the hospital. In the hospital. She was a nurse. He did turn to, to religion after that. With the support of, of his local pastor, he was able to lead a congregation at, at a church there in, uh, in Indiana. And in 1952, he started his own congregation. He was really inspired by the way Seventh-day Adventists worship. They would have public faith healings, the way that excited people. Yeah, I mean, miracles, right? So he was big into faith healing. Yes. Hold on a second, Nathan. What is this? I so I just I looked it up. Bellamy salute is the name Bellamy? of it, and that's the you were it's, right. I was okay. Good. Right. Don't ever question me. Actually, I I I hate to say this, but the mm-hmm. only uh, the only like faith healing stuff that I I've actually seen or or am acquainted with is the second Fletch movie. Where <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the that's really the only I, I don't I've never seen it in real life or anything else like that. Yeah. So it's a little scary in real life. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw not faith healing, but the, the spiritualism like shaking uh-huh. when they fall down and shake. Or they I saw oh, that yeah. in South America in like mm-hmm. one of the tent revivals. They had this guy named Domingo. I forget his first name, but his last name was Domingo, and he traveled through Venezuela. Did these revivals and he would people would fall down and shake Mm and it was or everyone is singing hallelujah and um it was like really a production it's pretty pretty crazy looking emotional outpouring totally so because of this he he decided to join a religious convention in indianapolis in 1956 and start his own like faith healings and he was a, a natural orator orator he spoke with conviction and i wish i could be could speak I- like imitate that. like that but yeah, yeah he was definitely a showman yeah. i saw one of his healings where you know, all the people were jumping up and down and he's like who who's hurt out there and he points out to one of the one of the ladies and and uh, she stands up and, she, and he's like is your hands that hurt right and gives her a little wave mm-hmm. and you feel better and she's 
all ecstatic, like, oh my gosh, and everyone is congratulating her and stuff. It was pretty, it was a production. I mean, he probably would have gotten into a lot more trouble if the means behind how he did that were more broadly known. Uh, Like, for instance, there was a, a woman who was in a wheelchair. She had a cast on her leg and and in one of those meetings, he asked if there was anyone who needed healing, and she raised her hand, and he brought her forward and and commanded her to walk. And they tore off the cast, and she got up and started dancing around. Behind the scenes, this is someone they knew. They knew that she it wasn't staged they, because she, she was a, you know, a member of the community. They, she had mm-hmm. friends in that group. But what they didn't tell you, or what they didn't tell the congregation, or her for that matter, is that they had drugged her a couple of days previous to that. And while she was out, they wrapped her foot in a cast. And then when she came to, they told her, hey, uh, you were in an accident. And she's like, I was? She's like coming to, I don't have any memory of this. They're like, yeah, you did. You don't remember? No. And so the next meeting... At being, you know, healed like that and being able to really dance around, thinking that your leg was busted, like the bone broken in many places. I would be excited too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good showman. Yeah, that's this... gotta go in the good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How we, can we, we do that too? that too? <laughs> the problem is when you when you sham like this enough times then people start you know, suspecting or they start, uh, especially the inner circle, they know too much. And if if the word gets out, then your whole persona is, you know, down the drain. And he, he was very paranoid of, of anything, of any public image snafu happening while he was just getting, you know, really getting off the ground here. So he started really watching his, his inner circle really closely. And for that matter, his entire congregation. In 1960, he joined the the Human Rights Commission. This was just as he was getting started, really preaching to his group and doing faith healings. And but he already had a following. He was a huge advocate, though, for racial integration. I mean, at the time, colored people couldn't sit in the same area of the bus. They couldn't go to the same stores to shop or anything like that. Big mm-hmm. uh, issue with segregation in, in that time in America. So when he came out in favor of uh, racial integration, he, he got a lot of pushback, a lot of opposition, threats even. For instance, uh, one time he, he comes back home and in, in, in the day when, before Central Air, you would have furnaces with coal, your coal pile. Uh, he found a, a stick of dynamite in his coal pile. That's a signal right there. Yeah. Or you need to change furnaces. That's true. Go electric. Or, or yeah. At a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, another time, somebody sent him a message, and as he was reading it, they uh, somebody else threw a, a dead cat against his house. So he was, you know, really getting some some opposition there. And that kind of started, you know, building uh, a persecution complex. He afterwards would get more and more of a rant going on about how everybody's against his group, how they just want to destroy them, all the good things they're doing. I mean, it started 
kind of innocently, you know, he really was trying to stand up for, you know, the downtrodden and the press. But he was also kind of trying to bolster his public image at the same time. So he even went so far as to, for the sake of his public image, start adopting children from different races and nationalities. I think this guy, so far, he doesn't seem too bad. I mean, he's adopting mm-hmm. kids from different races. He wants racial integration. You know, not too bad. I, I think that's good. He actually had yeah. quite a few blacks in his uh, his, his congregation, congregation was yeah. like yeah. 85%. Oh, yeah. Was it 85? I oh, thought it was only 25 or something. Big but percentage, it was, yeah. It was a good, it was a good number. Uh, one of his mentors or his, his favorite people was Father Divine, who was a, a black pastor that was very famous for some of the inroads he made in in civil rights, and he had a huge following. But one of his favorite takeaways from from Father Divine is a quote about, if you're going to start a group, or if you're going to have a following, you have to have an enemy. Have a well-defined enemy, and then your your people will never leave you. Yeah, that holds true. Like, a lot of other cults have, have done the same thing. Yeah, if you have you have common enemy, then it's a lot easier to hold people together, I think. I think that they didn't like Garrison Ford either. <laughs> we have a common enemy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he liked to mix his religion with his politics. He called his doctrine the social gospel. But instead of, like, worshiping some god, he was god. And there was no God in heaven, no sky God, and he denounced the Bible. Why don't um, you do that? You're that's... you're kind of floating away from being Christian. <laughs> so yeah, I well, mean, no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't, he wasn't Christian. Christian yeah. yeah, but he did believe that he was like reincarnation of Christ and of Father Divine and of Gandhi and Buddha and Lenin. All right, guys, if you're planning on joining a group. And the guy spouts something like, there is no Christ, there is none of this, but I'm the reincarnation of Christ. Well, he didn't say there wasn't any Christ. He just said there's no sky god. There's no sky god. There's no whatever. I denounce these things and all this stuff. And then they pro they, they take learnings from all of those things and kind of incorporate into everything that they're doing. Be weary of this, okay? Weary. Is it weary or wary? Weary. 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 Shit. Where he means tired. <laughs> yeah, you should be te- tired of it, too. <laughs> yeah. Be weary and wary of it. And worry. And worry. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, with his his social gospel that he taught that was a mix of politics with religion, he taught that socialism was the epitome of enlightenment. That if you're born in capitalist America, in racist America in fascist America, then you're born in sin. But if you're born in socialism, you're not born in sin. So socialism was one of the core tenets of his doctrine, of his church. <laughs> would, you, would, you say, would he say that he himself was born in sin? <laughs> I, or maybe, but I guess he repented. <laughs> he, he got out of it. Because he was like, it was a big deal for him. So, based on those tenets, this was the beginning of where his congregation transformed into his cult following. So, was he before this Christian? He was communist. Actually, he's he was communist his his entire life. He, 
Even he's trying to junior Com- preacher. Communist, yeah, is not, communist is not a religion, is it? It becomes it can its be. own religion. But he yeah. wasn't preaching like in his sermons and while he was with this sec- this other preacher that was mentoring no. him. No, and, and that was it, Christianity, right? And during the during the fifties there was a, a big roundup of communist personalities. America was like super paranoid of, of communists. Um, infiltrating in in high areas in like Hollywood and so forth. So and that's a good way to I mean, everyone's against you, and so you're the enemy of right. people around you. Is a good way to yeah. kind of sequester your congregation away from the, everyone else. You're different, right? And at the same time, kind of feed into his paranoia that everyone's against him because in a way they kind of were. Um, and he had to like shelf his his communist identity for a couple of decades. I can see why he actually was had like cats thrown at his door. Besides yeah. the fact that they were giving him more animals to, for funerals, <laughs> um, but because during that time, if you were a communist and he's spouting out communist ideals, you are going to be hated. Well, was, was he? I don't think he was that pro communist at this particular time, right? Not. Well, he he was. That was more he was, for the human rights. So he was a member stuff. of like the uh, the communist commission. He was, in he was a card carrying communist. Indiana. Yeah, he he was maybe uh, persecuted for his communist leanings, but the cats and so forth were because of racism, because he was supporting uh, racial integration. That that was actually a good thing. This is when he he started his, the People's Temple. And that was the name, the People's Temple. The People's Temple. He built up his congregation in Indiana. It became fairly large. He entrusted certain preachers to to maintain everything. And he and he went off to Brazil and was scouting around for places that would be safe from nuclear attacks, but also would be fertile ground for people who would receive his message. Okay. I read something where he found an article in a magazine that talked about the safest places to get away from it all. Mm-hmm. And it was someplace in California, mm-hmm. Brazil, and Guyana. Guyana? Or Guyana. Guyana. Why California? California would be like in a nuclear war. It'd be hit hard. Well, would it? I don't know. Yeah, that, because that. it has all the Navy bases in there. It's a big population thing. It's right on the seaboard, you, you, which means it's a launching uh, spot, potential launching, and all the sea. How are you, that, well, you, you played coast. so much risk. Yeah, it would be like... The coast would be hit Arizona, so hard. Yeah, Arizona. Colorado. Nevada, Nevada, Wyoming, Wyoming, Wyoming. That's the one. Wyoming. yeah, Wyoming, no Montana, problem. Montana, yeah, oh, Montana. Just, unless Montana. there's some like nuclear si- silos near you, and, like, and then and like then that, Canada, yeah. anywhere in Canada, because no one cares about them. Yeah, Canada's fine. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> it, as far as as far as throwing nuclear bombs <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he, South America is a good idea for yeah, that too. Totally. Yeah. Apparently, totally. he didn't see any problem with California because <laughs> uh, when when he heard that his his group in Indiana were kind of struggling. Uh, he moved back, and he made a prophecy that by 1967, there would be a nuclear war. And for his people to be safe, he moved them to California. Rootsold, let's call the big one. 
Again! It is the legend. Inspirational sayings from our beloved leader, Ronaldo DiCaprio. Yeah, let's hear it, Thor. <laughs> All right. Okay, so this is, this is from the mythos in me, of me, again. Uh, I really do like that book. What's your book. favorite that Ronaldo favorite. book? It is because he talks about himself and he kind of gives some mm-hmm. clues into how he feels about certain things. I More than, than others, some of his work is... I don't know. It's like be nice and in you know it different. It, it just gets more in the nitty gritty of how he came to be and uh, basically how he's how he's lived his life. And right. so there is. He goes on a little bit of a rant uh, in here, and and this is what it, how it goes. It says, "I refuse to bow down to that dictator reality. I will not enslave myself to the dictates of reason." For reason is a harsh mistress, and reality crushes all under his boot. I am a dreamer, and my friend is whimsy. My lover is hope, and I, like Braveheart, love freedom. I just love that. Uh, I love uh, that, that, that feeling of, of railing against reason, railing against the reality that we perceive mm. and not allowing that to suck, uh, suck us into or dissuade us from doing things. Uh, I, I totally thought that Ronaldo was a critical thinker and not a passion monger. He is everything. He's everything. <laughs> he, like whenever I spoke time. with him and whenever mm. I've read his writings, I, I guess I haven't gone through all the mythos. Of, of me but i i've read some of his teachings and it's very it's it has passion but it's logical what? i think the one of the strengths you of don't his think writing, so? not always i mean sometimes but yeah well, Nathan, well i would say one of the strengths of his writing is he contradicts himself all the time yeah you're, you're right almost he doesn't, he doesn't take right? himself too seriously later on in the passage he does talk about like uh to accomplish your dreams you must have uh you must Harness reason with hope. Uh, and and See, so, this is what I'm talking about, is that you're taking a section of what he wrote, but we're not adding in everything that comes along with it. This is well, really... Yeah, you're, well, maybe out of context. Out of context. It's like, it's like when, you, when a Republican or a Democrat, they say something that the other side said, and they take it completely out of context to prove a point, and then you read on, you're like, oh... Nope, this is what they said. Well, both sides of both sides most, of the aisle do that. Most, mo, I know, but most scripture does that to one extent no, or the other. It's never done that. Uh, whatever. <laughs> well, the Bible does not contradict itself. <laughs> no, the, the not Bible ever. does not. <laughs> right? never. I, but also, I mean, we could Just, read the whole uh, the mythos of me. We could, but I mean, that would be the whole. That would be what twenty podcasts, and it's just easier to. Cherry pick things, you know, the things that you like. I just want you to understand that Thor does not have a a full understanding of Ronaldo. (laughs) (laughs) And and so this is where just just take yeah. It's a lifetime pursuit. And and neither neither do any of us. I'm probably the closest one.
think we just need to say to every future cult leader out there that you just don't make apocalyptic prophecies when the world is going to end. And when you do, you make them very vague. Way after you Just stop doing it, okay? Just stop it. It's okay to have a vague Ragnarok thing as long as you do not put a firm date on it. When we do our symposium on being becoming a cult leader, mm-hmm. and we, we do that, this is going to be rule number one. Wasn't the late 60s when our big standoff with Russia in Cuba was really a coming Cuban to a Cuban Missile head. Crisis. Yes, yeah. definitely. So but you it still was kind never, of safe to make that. No, you never make a firm date on the apocalypse. I'm, I'm going to step in here. I actually think it's a good idea if you do, if you don't want it to last very long. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, you put an expiration date on your cult. Put an expiration date on, on your, your cult. Oh, interesting. But, but give it years so that you can get a momentum going. So yeah. you need to give it like five, six, seven years. Once you've collected everyone's money and exactly. their women. And then it's over. And then you can and, and then you can change it. And, and by then, then you're like, whoops. And then you can change it. You can be like, I have new prophecy. That's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, that's, what, that's happened a lot. But Christ himself did not put a date on there. He said, no man knoweth. Uh, that's the smartest thing you can do. No man knoweth. We don't know. It's going to happen, but we don't know when. Apparently, things went really well in California, and they gathered a lot of uh, a huge following. Uh, he had to uh, create branches in San Fernando and L.A. and in San Francisco, which became his headquarters. And he was involved in, like, politics there and stuff like that, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he helped the, uh, I think it was the mayor of San Francisco get elected. And he also provided several bus loads of people to assist in Jimmy Carter's campaign when he was coming through California. I like that he was politically active. I don't know if a high Hitler... Is <laughs> would be politi- I guess that's politically active. He also had like growing concerns about his own members stepping out of line and telling on him, telling on him about. So you mean like the faith healing stuff, or well, that sure. But he also had kind of a sadistic side too. When people would get out of line, he loved to punish them. He would uh, put on boxing gloves and start like yelling at them, railing at them, and just beat them, beat the crap out of them. Some recordings online of him doing that. So he started what he called the Planning Commission, which is kind of an innocuous name for his secret spy and enforcement group. They would go around and watch other members, watch for infractions of dress code, of, you know, sexual promiscuity or anything. And when they found out, they would report them. When you were brought up before the planning commission, you would be like put on trial and then they would, they beat you up. Like literally they'd like (laughs) like, go at you with with, uh, their fists and their feet. And he didn't allow people to leave either. That was like the oh no, yeah, his worst. That's one of the worst things you could do. Exactly, yeah. The defection was was the greatest sin in his group. You could do anything, and you know you'd go up before the planning commission and get the shit beat out of you. But if you left, you know that was the worst thing you could do. People who left were afraid that he would hunt them down and shoot them. And I read someplace where he also had people leave 
or sign over their property or their right. money or their to children. the church and their children. Yeah. yeah. They were almost prisoners because of that, where he would give mm-hmm. them just enough, like, this is what you need to live and the rest of this is going to go to the uh, church. He would also gather compromising material from his members as a show of their, you know, devotion to him and their allegiance. This sounds a lot like kind of Nexium kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Some had to sneak out like they were afraid for their lives or they just had had enough and they would leave fearing his retribution, but were so desperate that they would leave their kids behind and just like get out of there. Like leave their kids at, at with Jim Jones and yeah. get out of the church. Wow, uh-huh. that's that's, that's take a pretty lot sad. of a really bad situation in order to do that. Yeah, or and, to make me do that, and that would make him so angry. Um, it, it, at one point, he wanted to know who was on his side, and so he he created this trial, this test, where he got everybody together, and he invited them to drink a cup of wine. And they did. And then he told them, you have all just been poisoned. And they were... Was this in California? This was in California. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they were like freaking out. He said, yeah, within an hour, you're going you're gonna to all die. You know, nobody was allowed to leave the room. And they were freaking out. And some of them were feeling dizzy and nauseous. And, and then after like an hour, he, he says, just kidding. It wasn't really poisoned. This guy is so sadistic. I was this really guy enjoyed sadistic. that. Yeah. This is a total power trip. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he said, I was just testing to see who was the most dedicated. It's of this giving group. me ideas right now. I. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the end for me. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's time to go. It's like, no, you kind of hurt my trust there. Just after that, to get to a safe place where... The locals were weren't going to like lynch him for for doing that and for other things. Uh, he, he started building a refuge in in Guyana, South America. I heard that he bought like thousands of acres that he yeah. that he got down there. Oh yeah, to build his to build his. Uh, was he was he, did he buy it or was he gifted it? Bought it with the money that people gave him in the church. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. All of his followers gave everything. It's communist ideal. Also, early Christian ideal. Early Christians did the same thing. They gave everything they had and divided it out. Right. So, so he was building a town, Jonestown, and this was a. Maybe a hundred some miles from Georgetown. That's where he got the idea. Maybe. Like, There's going to be a Georgetown. There has to be a Jonestown. Right. Yeah. In Ghana. In Guyana. In Guyana. Yeah. That's kind of uh, on the northern part of South America. It's right. Venezuela, border of Venezuela and French Guiana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now I, I heard he was actually welcomed right in there because... Oh, yeah. The, they were afraid of the Venezuelans. And so they thought a whole bunch of Americans kind of at the border, that would be an awesome thing. And this was also a good place to like ride out any nuclear war that might be happening. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Guyana was a, a superpower at the time. So no. they definitely it, and it was now. also a socialist <laughs> like they are now. country. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but know anything it, about that. At the time, it was a heavy socialist. So it kind of went more toward his ideals. So. So he got some media people together and he staged this 
extravagant tourist video for his followers in California to see to that paradise claim to kind of yeah thing. claim that this this was paradise this this was Shangri La on Earth mm-hmm. you should come down here and and join the cause and live in this beautiful lavish jungle area you know that fishing. would be tempting it, it kind of would it kind of would yeah I agree if it wasn't him and involved mm-hmm. I think that. You weren't crazy. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's yeah. smiling, children playing. Jungle paradise. Yeah. Rice and beans. Arroz y frijoles. They look good on the video, I guess. Um, well, they are good. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, when they got down there, no, this is not a paradise. This is like a, a military camp just made to work their butts off. And they didn't get to eat much. They didn't get to sleep much. Um, on regular uh, intervals, I don't know how regular exactly, but they would have uh, what they called uh, White Knight. He would get on the intercom and say, White Knight, White Knight, everybody come to the pavilion, White Knight. And then everybody would like wake up in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m., rubbing their eyes, walk over to the pavilion and... Well, then just a second. Gunner, what do you think White Knight is when he's... if? The white knights, white knights, come to the pavilion. No, it's it's he wants all the dancers to come out of there and do a ballet, <laughs> a Russian ballet. I knew you were going there because okay. I I was going there too. Okay, what 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 was a white knight? I think it was just a code, white knight. Oh. I don't know if it was N I G H T or K N I G H T, but he would use these occasions to preach paranoia to the people, the opposition, and why you should stay here and not leave because everything is going to hell out there. And they have no way to confirm or, you know, otherwise because they didn't have phones or anything. He he did a lot of interpretation, too, of like Soviet propaganda and other movies and stuff like that. So. They they show a, they show it and he'd sit there or his close followers would sit there and 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 you know this is what was wrong with our country now and and so on and so forth you know basically go through and and make sure everyone's getting the right idea from from the show. That sounds very like very communist. Yeah, it tends to happen in communist countries. Like they, they control the information, every, they control, control everything. everything. Yeah. He, and he was a very big fan of Soviet Union uh, when the Soviet Chinese split came. When they had the the ideological beliefs changes, he went with the Soviets. He he just like he 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 was big into communism. He was. I heard that the people who came over, he took the passports and then he, he put some kind of restriction on their visas where they couldn't go mm-hmm. back to the U.S. Not only controlling the information, but kind of controlling their travel back to the U.S. So they were kind of trapped. The whole town basically ran off of the social security checks of uh, some of the people there. That's what the town ran on, basically. Yeah. They, were un- they weren't they were self-sufficient. Sounds weird to me. I mean, if you're working... If everyone's working eight to what sixteen hours a day, and you're not so sufficient, something's wrong. Yeah. Were they selling anything, or was it just building complexes and just doing things like that? Supposedly the soil was really poor and stuff like that. But even if the soil's poor, I mean they're kind of in the jungle. That means they've got a whole whole lot of mulch, and they can build that soil up. There's ways Mm -hmm. to do it. Or they are not as intelligent as you. No, it's just they needed to. get more into like the French intensive farming methods. 
I, I don't know. It just sounds weird. If everyone's working that hard and you're not self-sufficient, something's wrong. I don't think they were farmers. I well, think these were city people that just, and I don't think he ever was. I think that he just, just went down there with a dream and tried to create it and, mm -hmm. and just People failed. didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This was not paradise. Uh, this this place was cut off from, from everything. The nearest, I don't know, the nearest airstrip was like 16 miles away. But they did have a house in Georgetown. That was their public face. But it, it was also like the only place that they would have to contact people outside. And they would have like a radio there and a radio in Jonestown where they would, you know, communicate back and forth. Were there like devout followers that were the ones policing everyone like mm -hmm. with weapons and such or Yeah, it was yeah. yeah, part of the part of the planning commission. Yeah, they had the planning commission. Yeah. They had they had men with with uh, automatic weapons watching over every everyone when they had their white night gatherings. The guys with the uh, rifles would have the rifles like kind of facing the congregation, not protecting them. Yeah, they were definitely prisoners. And there were a thousand people there. The family members created a, a coalition of concerned family members is what they called it. And they, rightfully, they were concerned. They, they didn't hear anything from their families and they were worried. So they petitioned the congressman of California, Leo Ryan, and he got some media guys together, got some of the family members together and flew out there. So at this time, how long had they been in Guyana? That's a good question. I think it's Guyana. Guyana? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think about uh, six, seven years. Okay, so this was established by, yeah, it was by in, then. Like 1978 when this mm -hmm. when um, Congressman Ryan headed out there. They were also starting to have problems, though, with uh, government of Guyana, right? There was something, I think, if I recall correctly, there was some accusations of someone keeping a child that wanted out. There, there, was, some, there were some things that were going on. There was a standoff for a while, hmm. uh, if I recall correctly. Well, yeah, there, there, were definitely, there was definitely trouble brewing uh -huh. against uh, Jim Jones. And Congressman Ryan and his group coming out there was the worst thing that Jones could imagine. When they arrived, uh, they asked to to come and let their let the family members see their you know their loved ones, and they were refused entry. Uh, and um, and Congressman Ryan uh, says, "Well, we're coming anyway," and so they flew from uh, Georgetown to the airstrip outside Jonestown. There were people from Jonestown there to meet them saying, you can't come in. Brian said, tell Jim that we're not leaving until people see their, their family members. Finally, they were allowed to come. NBC News, they had some reporters there, some cameramen, some anchors, uh, or reporters anyway, uh, that were filmed, and this is all online, talking to the people and talking to Jim Jones. Ahead of time, Jim briefed his followers exactly what to say. They were asked, you know, are, is everybody happy here? You had to say, oh, yes, everything is perfect. This is paradise. And, um, as they were anticipating people coming, they were busy, like, 
painting all the buildings and prettying everything up, just making a pretty face. Yeah, this is just a show. See, yeah, just a show. But that's also very communistic. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Remember all the crazy stuff for uh, Mao Zedong? Yeah. Like where how they they go and they take the rice plants and they all plant them really close together so it looked like the field was just beautiful as this train mm. passed by and so I, people were starving all over the place and they yeah. uh, you know or in yeah. in north, north korea, korea yeah, yeah. 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 Like, young young is their show city uh-huh. and then everywhere outside of that is just squalor just, and you're yeah. going through they give you a tour mm-hmm. and the, their storefronts that all the oranges are put up front and it looks like if you actually go in, it's like either fake or people don't even shop there. A total show. They were putting on a, a nice front for the press. Uh, while they were there, they sent like little feelers out to the group groups of people saying, hey, if anyone wants to leave, let us know. Just pass us a note or whatever. Just discreetly let us know. And a lot of people did, like uh, maybe two dozen. And they interviewed Jim Jones. He was on air saying, I don't know why everybody hates us and wants to destroy what we're doing here. We're doing a really good thing. And he was just really paranoid, agitated. He, he was sick at this time, too, wasn't he? Well, he was on drugs most of the time. Yeah. You see, in, in the pictures, he looks kind of like Elvis. He has dark glasses on and everything. In reality, he was hiding puffy eyes from all the drugs he was taking. Dilated yeah. pupils. Yeah. And so he wore sunglasses all the time. In addition to that, it also fed his his paranoia and his anxiety. He was just really like falling apart right then. He was having a major breakdown. So Congressman Ryan, NBC News, they gathered their people together and, and got whoever was, was ready to, to leave with them to get on the tr- trucks. Uh, of course, the people who were leaving met a lot of like opposition from the local community calling them traitors and, you know, really. Yeah, but that was hard. Yeah, providing pressure. And and Jim Jones himself would, like, tell the people who are leaving, you know, if you need to go anywhere, you can always come back here. You can always come back here. You're always welcome here. And just trying to get them to not leave. You know, some of them, the conditions that they were allowed to go, they had to leave their kids there and all kinds of things. I don't know how that worked out in a PR sense, but. If like uh, one one of the one of the parents wanted to go and the other one wanted to stay, yeah. So you know stuff and like they that. Footage of that. Yeah. So they they were saying like Jim Jones was uh, saying, just leave us alone, uh, just do us a favor, and just be. We just wish you never came here. Go home and yeah. go in peace. Leave us here. And then when the people were leaving, and you know, one someone wanted to bring their kids, and the other parent didn't wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a lot of yeah, pulling the out. kids back and yeah. forth and people arguing and stuff. And it, yeah. was, a, it was pretty, pretty Emotionally awful. charged, yeah. So they, they finally got out. They got in the truck. They started heading out. They were boarding the planes and a truck drove up full of people with guns. They were like, hurry, take off, take off quick. We're going to get, we're mm-hmm. going to get fired out. They're not going to let us go. And they, the truck drove in front of the, the planes that were taking off and then just started opening, open firing on them. And there was one, one guy who, like, pretended to be a defector who, who got aboard the truck going out. He'd snuck a gun on, the, on one of the planes and just shot the pilot, shot a bunch of people in the, in the plane. Fourteen people, I think, died 
they had like one of the the media guys, the, the cameraman, mm-hmm. who filmed the mm-hmm. truck coming yeah. up, and you can see the people boarding, and he was filming that, and then the truck comes up, and then he kind of puts the camera down to act kind of nonchalant, mm-hmm. and then he gets shot, yeah. and his his uh, camera filmed the guys, not the people who got that got shot, but filmed the guys that were shooting. Talk about some bad PR. <laughs> you don't, yeah. You don't walk away from that. Yeah, yeah that that's a hard one. So what? What so did, did everyone die? Was yeah. it a oh, massacre? Yeah, yeah. There were. A, I would. Was it most of them that died? Maybe it was like fourteen people got wounded, and maybe six or seven died. But anyway, um, a lot of people got wounded and fled into the jungle. Back in Jonestown, Jim Jones was telling everyone somebody just shot the congressman, and we're gonna get paratroopers coming in here anytime now. This is our goodbye. He was so, I mean, so embroiled in the in communism. He was saying, whatever happens to one of us happens to all of yeah. us. Yeah. I may not have been the one that pulled the trigger, but I may as well be the person that pulled the trigger. Right. Yeah. And well, he's right about that. And if we can't live in peace, then we'll die in peace or something like that. Uh, they started making buckets and buckets of uh, cyanide-laced grape flavor aid. They they had audio of this, yeah, and they recorded it. Mm-hmm. And hearing that is chilling. Uh, yeah, chilling. He's like, d- people are complaining to him, and like, we don't really need to. We we're not. Re- we shouldn't really uh, kill ourselves. Don't you know? We are a lot of ki- a lot of us have children, and mm-hmm. and he's like, listen, we're we're all the same. We may as well all be the same person, and they're going to come in with para- with paratroopers and torture our children and torture us. And you don't want to you don't want to live like that. And he's, I mean, basically, this is you know, bald face lying, mm-hmm. and uh, but he framed it in a way that they were going to come in and torture their children. Yeah. And so, but also he had people with weapons around there to yeah, make yeah, sure exactly. it happened. Uh-huh. They took care of the children first. What if they wouldn't drink the Kool Aid? They gave them syringes of poison everyone else those who were still opposing they force fed them or or gave them syringes too and everyone else just just took the kool-aid and and laid down in rows on the ground and died including jim jones jim jones himself no he had to have somebody shoot him in the head so the people that were doing the shooting and everything did they all commit suicide yeah. too yeah. Every, yeah. everyone that like there were a couple of people who hid. You know? Yeah, I, my favorite story on this was the lady who woke up the next day. Yeah, and she she was just hard of hearing, so she didn't hear the sirens and people yelling, <laughs> "Come to the tent!" and and all the commotion. She just went. I was just feeling kind of tired, so I went to sleep and slept through all of it. And wakes up the next day, <laughs> and there's nine hundred and nine hundred nine people, nine people yeah. dead, oh and she's like yeah. looking around, like, "What happened?" What happened? Yeah. So sleeping in sometimes it's that uh, sometimes can save your life. Yeah. A little bit of hard of hearing. Hearing. So, did the government send in troops and everything? Was it like well, a to, huge thing? Or they, they did send in troops. They but they were intent on trying to save people, and nobody was left. There were very few people left. There were so, a couple. So the congressman did die. It, yeah, the congressman mm-hmm. died. They, die. That he was he was their primary target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there are plenty of there are enough people who survived it that are eager to tell the tale, the cautionary tale. 
This one was, uh, it's, it's the, one of the most famous cults out there, but mm-hmm. this is like one of, this is the saddest ending, 909 people. Yeah. And then a lot of them children. One third of them were kids. It's crazy. Yeah. And when yeah. you see photos of it, it's just heartbreaking to yeah. see the whole family is yeah. like laid down. Yeah. The, the helicopter like flying overhead, just lines and lines and lines of dead people on the ground. Yeah. So I, I find it interesting. Most most cults like, that we talk about tend to be more toward the uh, right wing. At least I, I I feel this was just the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually what, don't think so. You don't think so? Tell no, me what's no. going on. Just because communism is considered left wing, I think it's more right than you think. I think that those ideals, because mm-hmm. it's all about control. Yeah. Left wing is about having. It's letting someone else do something, but it's like still it's freedom to do whatever you want and be there. Right wing, I, I don't know. There's there's, con- there's conflicting yeah. ideas with the whole thing. There, there's but a, I think there's it's a funny right. like line between like communism and socialism. Yeah, and, and and you're right. Communism is to take by force or to compel people to live this way. Yeah, socialism is the people chose this. Mm-hmm. It and was, they can choose and they, out. And they, they can choose they out. Can they can opt they out. That's why Jim Jones, he himself was a communist, but he painted it as socialist to all of his followers. Well, that's what communism does anyway. Yeah. When he was trying to convince everyone to take the drink the flavor aid, um, one of the ladies said, why don't the communists come to the airstrip and just take us to Russia? And that's because he had talked about that was one mm-hmm. thing that they could do yeah. one day is is go to yeah. Russia and he's like no we just need to die in peace this is the only answer it feels very Hitlerish well Hitler he committed suicide at the end as well but if you go too far right it's it's like Nazism back. too far left is communism it, but they kind of there's a, there's not very much difference between yeah them, they I kind of go in a yeah. circle yeah. I I prefer to think of it more as a horseshoe. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so so they they come close so, to touching. They're so they're very similar. Stalin the ends, and Hitler, but pretty bad blokes, but completely on the, the, either end of the horseshoe. Huh? Yeah, on either end of the horseshoe, which means they're actually pretty close together. Yeah, there's it's pretty they're close enough to shake hands, but they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> And now we discuss what this week's cult did right and where they went wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't like this one, guys. You don't? I don't well, like it. No, so what's the I don't good? like, I don't, are we doing good first or are we doing bad? We, we do good first. Do good first. Good. Good. Uh, let's see, let's try and drag, drag some good out of this. Racial integration? Yeah, racial Re- integration. Racial integration. I like yeah, that. That's, that's, that's a worthy cause. Jim I, Jones started out mostly good, I mm-hmm. think. I think. A uh, tropical paradise is always nice. Totally. Totally. Nice. nice. Yeah. Right. Except I, we do it in Costa Rica, right? Yeah, I think I would probably do it there. Yeah. A little bit yeah. nicer soil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're gonna have to stretch to get some more good ones out of this. No, communal I mean, living. Sure. We could. We could have. Oh, uh, I, I don't have, know. Communal, maybe not I would communal, never put communal level on. But there. like, have a vacation spot in the tropics. <laughs> but still, that's the paradise thing. Yeah, not, paradise. I know, but a real one though. You know, yeah, I think no, communal no, living no. would be. I don't think you don't like that because uh, you need your own yeah. space sometimes. Yeah, I'm a little bit yep. too much of an introvert to be a huge fan of communal living. I, unless you had your own little place, you could go off. I don't know. 
it, I have always had a problem with everything being together in one. I, I, I've always had a hard time with that one. Um, it's a good well, motivation to have a better car than your brother or your neighbors or something I, like that. I, I, uh-huh. I, <laughs> communal or, or not? Non-communal. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I really don't like that everyone has to be the same or they have to yeah. have the same. It, I want to be, I want to be my own unique self and I just want, I want to have my own stuff. Maybe you wouldn't make a very good communist. I'm not. I'm not a good <laughs> communist. Well, yeah. actually, like, it's it's a common cult thing to have. Yeah, you 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 had the same yeah. thing kind of. Yeah, we we practice. How um, hard was that to the live? The law that? of consecration, and it was hard to a point, and then it was easiest, and I don't know, kind of kind of rewarding. But the sad part was we had to have a taskmaster to make it work for everybody, so that there aren't weren't people you know riding on the Slacking efforts of everyone off. else. Yeah, and that taskmaster made it a living hell. In the end. Was it like almost you giving up that turned it into kind of like it's a good thing. I don't have to worry anymore. Yeah, exactly. It, that's that's a good point. Yeah, we didn't have to worry about where our food came from or where we were going to sleep that night or even what we were going to do one minute to the next because every single moment was kind of spoken. I good, thought it was a relief in was, the army to have. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it was. it's like It that. was kind of like that. Regimented. Yeah, I uh, yeah you, you knew what you were going to eat or when it, when you were going to eat and your day was planned and you just went along with the mm-hmm. with the that's, flow. That's that's nice, but you know that you're going to get out of the army. Yeah, in do. a couple weeks and <laughs> yeah. you have to do whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Well, if you think the apocalypse is going to come and you're preparing for that, it makes it a little bit more palatable. You think the world's going to end any any minute, and we're just living like this mm-hmm. until that happens. Yeah, I, I could get behind that if I really believed in the cause and everyone was kind of pulling their weight. It was like, mm-hmm. it's obvious everyone's working hard. Uh, in an apocalyptic situation, I'd have no problem with it. Unless one of you guys were really rich, I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> like in Utah, uh, when settlers came to Utah, they would not have survived without huge communal programs. Yeah. Uh, bringing in uh, irrigation and other stuff like that, yeah. they wouldn't have survived. We the, the, this Utah would not be as settled like it is if there was not a form of communal living. Uh, it's so that's why I say an apocalypse or something where it's an emergency. Like we have to do this together. I I would be totally behind it. So how about the bad? Oh, okay. can you think of anything bad? bad. Oh, I'm just kidding. You know, they they gave Flavor Aid, Great Flavor Aid, a bad name. Mm. They really I did. don't like Grape Flavor Aid. It's my favorite. Not- <laughs> it really is. Grape is my favorite of the, of the like, Kool-Aid beverages. Grape juice is delicious. I don't like grape juice. I don't juice grape juice. But, but, no, nah, Kool-Aid, no. Nah. my stomach. Uh, let's see, bad. Cyanide's not very good. Cyanide's not very good. I, of course, I think... Um, Machine guns, like having to force people mm-hmm. yeah. to do things. If you are not convincing them enough without ha- them having to use weapons, without having to use weapons to force them to do things, I think there's a problem. Yeah. Like that should not have to be what your, your you know, the line is. In, in the propaganda that having to interpret everything uh, is just kind of like, eh, you know. Mm. 
it felt like he had really like it did feel like there was any any real good dogma and they were all yeah. poor farmers i mean come on if you're gonna yeah. do something like that you've got to get some experts in there and yeah, some know what planning you're doing. commission they didn't plan very well they they uh, did well they planned uh, but they didn't know how to implement you know but having that paranoia and everybody's mind kept them on their As toes. I say, it, no, it was the cat. It was the cat that started it, that dead cat. Building a cult. And now we take from what we learned this week and build our own cult, one belief at a time. So how about culty? Oh, it was all culty. <laughs> Do, no, is there anything we can bring out of this? Oh, yeah. They did community outreach. He, yeah, he, they helped. They helped their community out. They were they were involved in politics. They yeah. got some people elected. Racial integration. Yeah. I think that was yeah. that was a good that's, thing they did. I, I think we should definitely have racial integration. Yeah, yeah. His work in civil rights was was pretty good. That's that's definitely something worth taking on. Even though it was bad in the end, by giving out free drinks. <laughs> yeah, in mind of it, it, really hot day. <laughs> it was a hot um, day in the jungle. I think so that's it? something we can take on. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, I think that yeah, racial integration, social com- like doing community outreach, and and, uh, and giving away free Kool-Aid. drinks. Yeah. yeah. So, I think what we're going to do is this Fourth of July. If you're in Provo, Third of July. Third of July. Actually. Sorry. If yeah. you're in. Uh, in Provo, 3rd of July, in the morning, there is a parade. The Nice Cult will be there handing out free Kool-Aid. Grape flavor, right? Correct. Grape Kool-Aid. Grape Kool-Aid, free. This is our outreach. We want people to understand about cults, know about them. And um, if they do want to join a cult, we give them the option of joining a nice cult. Yeah. Yes. But that's not a requirement of receiving the Kool-Aid. Just mm-hmm. come by and, and say hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd also, be awesome to see you guys. Also, our Kool-Aid is cyanide-free. In fact, you mix it yourself. Yeah, you yes. mix it yourself. That's how cyanide-free it is. Yeah. So Sealed containers. Yes. We hope you had fun with us as we explored this week's cult. Join our adventure next week as we continue to build our cult one belief at a time. Until then... If you're going to join a cult, join the nice cult.